You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Every player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap, and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports, including hockey. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. And now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink. When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Jackman, Johnson, Eastwood, Backman, Wait, Walt, Hanzoos, Nastrick, Jansen, Boys, Young, Jammer, King, Salvador, Correa, Brewer, Lowe, Pollock, Finley, Turk, Sanya, Buganecki, Jamie, Key, McDonald, Mellon, Buchanan, Kavanaugh, Mason, Manny, Stillman, Stephanie, Yak, McClement. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in year 52, man. So give me a let's go blues. <laughs> The starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, we are talking about St. Louis. This is your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin. And today we will have uh, Wags joining us here in just a little bit, but we wanted to celebrate one of our favorite interviews that we have done on Blue Notes. And due to scheduling issues this week with myself as well as Wags, um, we are going to be uh, replaying our Jake Neighbors interview that we had uh, before the season, the Blues first round pick from this past season. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, this is your chance today. Uh, this is an audio-only version of Blue Notes, so thank you very much for listening on Spotify or Google or wherever you get your podcast from. We are there. Uh, so let's go ahead, but we do have some current events to talk about here, and let's go ahead and start off with uh, the big news of the week, and that is Carl Gunnarsson. 
Uh, he is going to be out for the season. Another player going on the IR, but this one is not coming back, I don't think. Uh, Carl Gunnarsson, of course, uh, 34 years old, uh, ended up uh, tweaking his ankle, I guess. Uh, he uh, went awkwardly into the boards in Monday night's game against Los Angeles, which let's talk about those reverse retros here in just a little bit. But first things first, um, Gunnarsson uh, ended up uh, messing up his knee. He will need... Uh, uh, right knee uh, surgery uh, for his uh, uh, recovery, but uh, he will not be coming back. And it makes you kind of wonder whether or not Carl Gunnarsson is going to come back to the Blues ever because he is 34 years old. He is a player that uh, never really ever seems to stay healthy. That's always He's always seemed to have uh, one nagging injury or another that's bugging him, kind of like a Carlo Koliakovo type. Um, fittingly enough, Carl came from Toronto, just like, uh, Carlo. So there we go. Carl and Carlo. I, I, I just made that connection right now that Carl and Carlo, the name, the first names are so familiar. They're almost the same. Uh, and that's, that's fittingly. So, um, you know, Gunnarsson's not been the best this season. I don't think, um, he's, he's had some lapses. He's, you know, he's not the player that he once was. I mean, when you've had as many injuries, as he has, that's kind of kind of understandable. Um, and with the Blues youngsters coming up, like Nico McCullough, Jake Wallman, who looks like the Blues are going to be giving uh, a few chances to this season. He's filled in at forward a couple times this season, including uh, very recently within the past week. And with Gunnarsson out, it looks like Wallman uh, will be called up from the taxi squad. And I would expect Wallman to be a part of the Blues defensive shuffle going forward. Because keep in mind, Pareko, uh, Colton Pareko is still out with an injury himself. He's just, I think he's just banged up in general, as, I'm, as we talked about on uh, Monday's episode. And, of course, Nico McCullough, who I always advocate for playing time. He hasn't played since February 8th. And uh, our friend of the program, Jim Thomas, of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, he uh, heard from Craig Ruby about that. And Ruby said that he just simply prefers veteran players over McCullough, but, you know, feels that McCullough has been playing well. So there we go again, kind of lending more fuel to the fire that Ruby tends to prefer veterans over rookies and may have, um, you know, an interesting way, I guess, of handling rookies and in, in, in that they have to, like, really, really earn their way into the lineup, which I guess is always how it's been. I mean, I recently read Bernie Federico's My Blues Notebook, which is, which is a very good read, by the way, if you want to, uh, if you've been thinking of picking it up, I highly recommend it. And, you know, Bernie talks about how he and Brian Sutter in their rookie years, they started out on the checking line. They didn't even play some games. They just sat on the bench the whole time. And it took them a while for them to earn their coach's trust. And, of course, they eventually did, and they played well. Jordan Cairo took him a while to earn uh, Coach Ruby's trust, and he eventually earned it. So Jake Wallman's an interesting guy. He's been a guy that's been in the Blues organization for a while. At one point, he was very highly regarded. A bit of a fallen star in recent years, but it seems like that he has picked this play up, especially on defense. Ruby noted that uh, Wallman's improved in his own end as well. And, of course, he's a, another one of those left-handed puck-moving defensemen, which, again might spell the end of Carl Gunnarsson because Gunnarsson is a free agent this uh, offseason, an unrestricted free agent. And while Gunnarsson gets high marks for uh, his locker room leadership 
it's it just I think it's time to let the young kids come up, the McCullas, the Walmans of the world. And plus, you still have Tori Krug and you still have Marco Scandella. So there's just I don't think there's any more room for Gunnarsson. And um, it seems now that this injury is probably going to force uh, the Blues to move on. So, um, you know, you, you hate to see a good soldier, you know, go out like this. I mean, Gunnarsson's played uh, seven seasons for the Blues, 325 games. Uh, he has uh, 15 goals, 37 assists for 52 points, and he's a plus 41, you know, which, again, plus minus isn't the end-all be-all, but when he's on the ice and when he's healthy, he's a steady defenseman that you don't really notice, and that's and when you don't notice defenseman like Gunnarsson, that means he's generally doing his job. So a good organizational soldier, uh, been with the team since 2014. Again, he came over in a trade from Toronto for uh, Roman Polak, which I would say that trade worked out pretty well because Polak's uh, bounced around a little bit and he has a reputation for being generally unreliable. You know, he either will get the stupid penalty or uh, he is just not a great defensive defenseman in general, but he's a physical defenseman. But, you know, you got to play defense as well. So uh, which is the reason why Polak has bounced around in recent years. So. Oh, and before we get too, you know, further into this uh, conversation here, can we talk about those stupid reverse retro red jerseys? So the Blues have played in those reverse retros twice this year, and in both games they have lost. And not only have they lost, they lost in rather pathetic uh, fashion. So they lost Monday night, uh, three to nothing against the LA Kings. And then the first game, which was the second game of the seven game set against Arizona on February 4th, they lost four to three. And I remember that game not being particularly, uh, not particularly pleasant. That was uh, the end of a three game losing streak for the Blues. But the biggest thing about these damn reverse retros is they, I feel like they make my TV screen bleed. Like they're so 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 blindingly red that they are actually hard to watch for me and i'm not saying that just as someone that's biased against these jerseys that i think they're terrible they're ugly and some jerseys some of these reverse retro jerseys are not really made for tv jerseys like for instance i like the hartford whalers uh uh, Hurricanes reverse retro, the gray with the uh, green. And I have, I have a version of that in a pronger, and I think it looks great. Um, but on TV, they didn't look that good. Like, the colors kind of looked washed out, and uh, the gray looked kind of blah. You know, it, it, was, it was interesting. And then you have other reverse retros I wasn't really interested in. Like, at the Lake Tahoe game, I thought the Boston uh, yellows looked pretty good, um, even though I wasn't exactly excited about those jerseys. And... To be honest with you, I won't get one because it's a Boston Bruins jersey. And I've I've already made I, I, I'm a collector of hockey jerseys. If you don't know me, I have um, all 31 teams at least twice, uh, two jerseys for each team, uh, plus some others. I've filled my Boston quota. I'm good on that. OK, one's a Tory Krug. The other one is a Tuka Rask from a Winter Classic. I'm OK with those. That's all I need. So um, but yeah, can we just retire these freaking reverse retro jerseys already. I mean, cast them straight into the fire. Let's forget they ever happened. Don't make these an alternate. Don't make these a permanent fixture on the team. Let's just move on. 
from these damn jerseys, okay? Okay? Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, at, at the time of this recording, uh, the Blues are set to take on the San Jose Sharks on Saturday. That's a makeup game. Well, at the again, this is Wednesday afternoon here where, where I'm recording this. Uh, that game might be in jeopardy because the Sharks had to postpone their game against the Vegas Knights. Not because Vegas has a player that has COVID. The Sharks have a player that tested positive for COVID. And unlike the Sammy Blaze situation, uh, where that was thankfully a false positive, uh, the NHL um, felt that it was prudent to postpone the game this time. So uh, we'll see what happens Saturday, if we even have a Saturday game or not. Um, by the way, and just an FYI, uh, we will be back Sunday, uh, for our next episode. I'm not 100% sure when we'll record yet. Uh, we have to figure out one of our schedules first before that, but it'll be myself, Wags, and Mason, Blues Fan Reacts, joining us as well. And, uh, by the way, are you guys enjoying having, uh, Blues Fan Reacts on our podcast? I gotta, I gotta say, I've, we, we've had them on the past two, uh, Sunday recording sessions, which become our Monday episodes, and I think he's been a fantastic addition for us. He's young, he's energetic, and I think he brings a different perspective. I mean, of course, he's out there. He's very energetic and outlandish, and he kind of brings out that side of us. But uh, I've been very happy with having Blues Fan Reacts on our show. And uh, um, don't tell him this, but uh, um, I think he might be here to stay. So I'm just, I'm just warning you on that as well. Um, oh, and by the way, and, 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 and then one more tease before we get to Jake Neighbors here. Uh, we will probably be having some news coming out very soon uh, within the Hockey Podcast Network about a um, another Blues podcast joining the network here. I can't say who it is at this point, um, but I have it on good authority. We'll have another Blues podcast on the network. So there, another option for you. And I can tell you this podcast, I know who it is, um, they... Uh, if you prefer more like game recap and you know more serious puck talk, like we we here at Blue Notes, we're we're a variety show. We have you know Luke Whitbin singing songs for us and rapping for us every week. We have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent. Uh, we have uh, Mason Blues fan reacts a you know young guy in his early twenties, you know who is full of energy and he lives in Utah, by the way. Um, you know, you have a guy that runs uh, Chick-fil-A and then you have me, uh, you know, off the air KMOX uh, personality. Um, we're, we're glib, we're, sh we're, we're showy, we're, we're more vibrant, but if you've been wanting more serious, um, you know, nuts and bolts type of blues talk, um, this podcast, uh, will be able to deliver that for you. And hopefully we'll have them on, uh, to, in to introduce you to them at some point and, uh, hopefully they, uh, they return the favor. So, uh, that's it for my spiel. And now, uh, if for those of you who have just joined uh, the Blue Notes Nation, uh, we will be replaying our conversation with Jake Neighbors that we had uh, before the season started. And uh, hope you enjoy that. And we'll play that right after this promo from another one of our great Hockey Podcast Network podcasts. And that's going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes. I want to thank you for listening and watching because without you, there is no me. And I want to thank you for listening to Blue Notes because without you, there is no me, there is no WAGS, there is no Blues Fan Reacts, and there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle.
yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. Like, I like Pinto, and I, I remember everyone like, and this is the thing that I think Sens fans need to start realizing. We need to stop looking at the draft. We really need to stop looking at a player being like, he was drafted way too early. You know who you can make an argument who was drafted way too late? Mark Stone. Sixth round pick and now he's making nine and a half million dollars. Pajot, drafted I think in the fifth round and making five million. Hoffman. Welcome to the Sense Hour Podcast, your number one source for Sense content, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, hosted by Shane from Ottawa and... And Derek from Muskoka, almost near Leaf Country out here. Um, but I think Clevin was, was right up there because they traded up to get him uh, with the Leafs. And again, they, they passed up some talented players for a guy like Clevin, but now Clevin's all of a sudden looking like a talented player himself. Like that goal that he scored um, in the third game in UND was outrageous. It was just not something you're expecting from the Twitter scouts, especially. <laughs> Sends our podcast, your number one stop for all your Senators content. New episodes coming at you every Monday and Thursday, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Have a good one. Stay safe. Take care. It's the Blue Notes Face-Off of the Week. Gabriel Foley with uh, the last word on puck in St. Louis game time. He's joining us for this interview with Blue's first round pick, Jake Neighbors. Jake, uh, how you holding up in uh, in Alberta? Uh, we're doing all right, uh, doing the best as we can under the under the circumstances. But um, you know, we're getting by, which is good. Yeah. So you uh, hail from Airdrie, Alberta, and I know it's north of Calgary, uh, but a lot of Blues fans may not know much about Airdrie. So tell us what your uh, what your hometown's like. Yeah, it's pretty small. Uh, when I grew up there, it wasn't as uh, as expanded as as it is now, and um, you know, I grew up mostly in the rink. Uh, I can't tell you much about Airdrie other than the schools <laughs> and the ranks, basically. So, um, you know, I went to a couple of schools there um, and, you know, spent most of my time in the arena. It's a, it's a good hockey town. Everyone loves loves the sport there. And, um, you know, ODRs are always buzzing and, and stuff like that. So uh, it's a fun, fun little small town. I got a lot of good friends from there. So, By the way, I have a friend of mine that lives in the Calgary area, and I asked him about Airdrie, and I was warned by him to never call it Air Dry. You yeah. know, because because uh, a lot of people, because I think that's a common mistake. I was actually about to make that if I had not talked to my friend, yeah. but uh, I reached out to him and double checked, and uh, and so it's it's definitely Airdrie and not Air Dry. So, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. So Wags. Yeah, and, and you talk about growing up and basically going to the rink, and that's about it. But were there anything else that you did uh, growing up besides hockey that that really piqued your interest? Yeah, I played a lot of a lot of school sports growing up. Uh, you know, I competed in, in pretty much everything I possibly could. Um, you know, when I was in middle school and, and junior high type age, and um, you know, other than that, you know, I scootered for a bit. Uh, you know, I walked everywhere I went because you know everything was, um, you know, a fifteen minute walk max when I grew up there. And um, you know, me and my buddies were very active. We go biking, stuff like that. So. I was a kid who spent all my time outdoors and, um, you know, in the streets playing street hockey and or whatever it may be. So um, I think that's probably the biggest thing I remember from Airdrie is, is kind of those those type of memories, too, as well. So what got you into hockey as a youngster? 
Yeah, it was my dad. Um, my dad played a little bit of amateur pro over in Germany um, and played hockey throughout uh, throughout his years as a kid. And so he kind of introduced me into the game when uh, when I was about two years old, actually. And, you know, started skating when I was three and I was playing when I was four. So, um, you know, I just fell in love with the sport instantly. My brothers, um, you know, they loved it as well. Um, and it was just a, a big thing for our house was to sit down and watch hockey games every night. And, um, you know, as a young kid, you kind of fall in love with that. So, and ever since it's, uh, you know, it's history. So. Now, now for us growing up, uh, Brett Hall was our guy here in St. Louis, and I'm sure you're going to get a chance to interact with M- Mr. Hall a lot in your time here in St. Louis. It's, it's a blast. Uh, and we've never made it to anywhere close to the pros. Uh, I play locally, but I'm nowhere near being good. Uh, but who was your hockey hero growing up? I mean, it's probably someone we know, but who was your guy that you looked to as a kid? Yeah, mine was Jordan Eberle. Um, I was a big Oilers fan, um, always have been. Uh, my my family loves the Oilers, so I kind of just grew up. Um, I'm a kid from the wrong side of town, uh, like in the, the wrong side of the Battle of Alberta. So, um, But when Jordan Everly scored that goal, um, his first NHL goal, um, it was kind of uh, that moment I really uh, I really enjoyed watching him as a kid. And, um, you know, I wore 14 my entire career basically because of him. So, um, you know, and now I get the chance to, to work out with him and skate with him in the summers, which is pretty cool. So I'd have to go with Everly for my childhood here. So what's that like uh, playing and training with your childhood hero? Yeah, it's crazy. I can't even really put it into words. It's, um, you know, definitely surreal. You know, we have conversations, you know, pretty much, you know, I'd say 80% of the time I see him in the gym or something like that. And, um, you know, getting to play with him on the ice and things in, in little battle drills and stuff like that is is so fun. And, um, you know, he's a great player. And, you know, uh, it's pretty surreal, honestly. I'm still... Just an eighteen-year-old kid getting to get to play with my childhood hero, so it was pretty cool. Now uh, you're noted as a physical player. Uh, when when do you think that side of your game started sprouting up? And uh, when was your first fight? Obviously, you've been in a few in the WHL, but uh, when was that first one? Yeah, I think uh, the physical side kind of um, was bred from my father as well. He always told me to to try and use my body to my advantage. And I guess kind of right when I got into uh, um, what would have been Batham first year, I think was the first year I would have been hitting um, legally at least um, was it really ramped up there when, when I wasn't getting penalties for body checking anymore. So, um, but I'd say I've always been a physical kid. My penalty minutes were always high in minor hockey and things like that. So, um, but yeah, uh, my first fight, um, I think it, my first real fight was actually in the dub. I never really got into any, you know, battles with cages on or anything like that. So I was a 16-year-old kid. I think it was my, um, you know, I want to say my 11th or 12th game in the league uh, in my career. And um, I uh, was playing against the Spokane, in Spokane, pretty hostile environment. And I just, you know, blew up the D partner and the other one came over with one glove already off and a stick on the ice. And that was kind of that moment, like, here we go. And, um, you know, it went all right. The guy was a lot bigger than me, but uh, it was good. So, so you remember that fight? Do you remember all of them? Uh, I remember how they start, um, and probably like ten minutes after them, you kind of go blank for a bit when you're in there. I um, mean, there's a lot of adrenaline going through your body, and you, you tend to black out, not really remember a lot. But um, I, I, I just basically remember how the how they started for the most part. Now, you talk about the physicality part of the game and, and kind of going a little bit off 
topic here, but you know, in some instances in Canada, they're banning checking in the uh, younger leagues. Is that something that you feel could be detrimental to some players growing up, or is it going to allow them to focus a little bit more on the skill of the game versus worrying about being physical? Yeah, I think I think there's arguments to both sides. Obviously, I think you know, obviously it's a it's a benefit to have kids that are going to really be focusing on their skill and um, you know, developing that side of the game. But I also think it's very important to have um, you know, some sort of physical um, aspect to rely on. I think. You know, if you're going to make it to the next level and hockey is what you want to do in your life, then at some point you're going to have to learn how to receive and learn how to throw a hit. And, you know, in my case, I'm an 18-year-old kid. And, um, you know, even at 16 coming to the dub, um, you know, playing against 20-year-olds, you have to be able to hold your own. And, you know, that's only going to elevate, you know, as, you know, whenever I make it to St. Louis and, um, you know, crack the roster that I'm going to be playing against guys that are much, much stronger than me. So, um, you know, I think obviously it's good that kids are going to get be very skilled and things like that. But um, I, I also think they're missing out on a big part of the game moving forward. Now, at what point, you know, you're in, in your younger playing days, of course, you know, you're, you're you're building up your physical game. You know, you still have, uh, uh, you know, you're putting up points, you know, pretty much, you know, at, at you know, every level, you know, growing up. But at what point did you feel that maybe, hey, I could get drafted into the NHL? Yeah, I think it was uh, my my WHL Batum draft here. Uh, I moved away from home at fourteen, or I would have been thirteen. Um, I moved away from home and went lived with a family in in Kelowna, and um, I knew that I'd play hockey with uh, the the person who rented the house, son. So uh, it was a good situation for me. I went over there and uh, had a really good year with Poe, and um, you know, after getting drafted to Edmonton, it, it kind of started to settle in that I um, you know, I could potentially be doing something with hockey as a career and. Um, but, you know, I think that sacrifice really started when I left home. And so, obviously, you had that uh, that feeling that you could go to the show one day. Did you expect to be taken in the first round? Uh, no, obviously, it's a, it's a dream of every every kid who's playing hockey growing up. But, uh, no, I couldn't. If you would have asked me, um, you know, at 14, I was going to be a first-round NHL draft pick, I would have told you you were a liar. And, um, you know, so it's definitely been a, a heck of a process, and I'm very proud of how far I've come. But, um, you know, I still got a long ways to go, so I'm looking forward to that. So, of course, you put up some big numbers in, in AAA and prep levels. You know, you're, you're at least a point-per-game guy, you know, more in, in, in some instances. You get picked up by the Edmonton Oil Kings of the WHL. First season, 11 goals, 13 assists, 47 games. How was the adjustment going from Triple uh, A to Major Canadian Junior Hockey? Yeah, I think I think the biggest adjustment for me was the was the schedule and the the wear and tear of the league and all the travel and everything like that. I think, um, you know, my first about seventeen games, I had done really well, and um, you know, I I took off to the to the U seventeens to play for Team Canada, and when I came back, is when it kind of settled in of how hard the league was, and um, you know, I came right. I came back on a road trip, I think. And, um, you know, I started an 18 game slump or something like that, which, um, you know, and then at the end of that 18 game slump, I get in a fight, uh, separate my shoulder. I'm out for, you know, a month. And then uh, my first game back, I, you know, hit a guy from behind and get suspended four more games. So that's, you know, basically two more weeks out of the lineup. So uh, there was a good chunk of the season there that there was a lot of adversity that I had to face. And it was kind of a, a wake up call for me that, you know, this league isn't easy. It's, uh, you know, a huge adjustment for midget. So, um, you know, after that point on, when I returned from that suspension, I think 
um, you know, I had a good playoffs and then obviously that carried through to my 17 year old year and, um, you know, just get more comfortable as time goes by. So. Yeah, you had a very uh, solid year in your second year, you know, 23 goals, 47 assists in 64 games. So what would you say went better for you in your second season with the Oil Kings? Obviously, opportunity is a big part of it. I think, you know, I was trusted a lot more as a player, uh, you know, under the coach of Brad Lauer. Um, um, you know, and then obviously just with comfortability, I think that going to the Eastern Conference uh, finals that year as a 16-year-old is huge for experience moving forward. And, um, you know, just coming back, I knew I had a bigger role to fill. Uh, we lost a lot of our top scorers and, um, you know, I just tried to take the opportunity I got and run with it. And, um, you know, I think as the games got on, I got more comfortable and more confident and it just escalates from there. Uh, we've got some listener questions for you as well. Uh, and this kind of go back to the draft. Uh, Blue Notes listener Tim Goodman asked, what was it like to get that call from the Blues? Yeah, it was surreal. Um, you know, kind of when I was waiting around, um, I was having some camera issues right before I was getting right before St. Louis was picking. Um, and then I was on the phone trying to fix my camera. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, somebody screamed to, to get off the phone with me. So I was a little nervous and I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and then when, you know, I saw on the TV that I would officially been picked by St. Louis, it was so surreal and, um, you know, uh, an unreal moment for me and my family. I don't really know how to describe it. And, um, you know, once I got the call from Doug Armstrong and, um, you know, talk to a couple of the players over messages, it, you know, I really started to sink in and, um, you know, it's absolutely amazing. And I'm very proud of where I went and very happy. So. And uh, Robert you, uh, Thomas, the t- oh, go ahead, go, go ahead, Gabriel. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, you said you talked to a few guys over messages who all reached out to you. Uh, yeah. Braden Chan texted me and then uh, the head coach Craig Brube reached out as well. And um, Ryan O'Reilly as well. And then, um, the next day on day two of the draft, uh, Tarasenko FaceTimed me. So uh, that was pretty cool. So. <laughs> that, that is a awesome. pretty good, uh, pretty good set of guys to, to get in contact with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was super surreal. And I um, mean, you know, I still can't believe I have their contact in my phone. Even it's, it's kind of weird. So. Uh, we, we've all been there. Our, our, our contact list isn't as high up as yours, but uh, yeah, we know how that feels. Uh, yeah. Robert Thomas the Tank on Twitter asks, uh, Jake, obviously being drafted by the 2019 Stanley Cup champion had to have been very exciting, but were there any other teams that you were possibly hoping for? Obviously, Edmonton probably crept into your mind, but were there any other teams that you were kind of hoping for? I mean, uh, not, not, not really. I think, um, you know, with with how I was slotted in the draft and kind of the projections around me, I wasn't too sure in the area I was going to go. I think I was more on the side of, I was just really hoping I'd get taken on day one and, um, you know, didn't really have to to worry about it on day two as much. So, um, but, you know, obviously I think Anaheim was picking around there. That'd be a great place to play. You know, obviously some great weather and, um, you know, a good spot, good fans. So, um, you know, you can say good things about every team in the league realistically, but, um, you know, I'm very happy with going, going to St. Louis. So. And finally, back to listener Tim, who is the team you hate the most and why is it the Blackhawks? <laughs> I actually, I on draft day, I did um, a podcast with a couple St. Louis guys as well. And they asked me like what my favorite teams were growing up. And I said Chicago and they weren't too happy about it. But I totally forgot Trade that that was a rivalry. So 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll definitely get that ingrained, you know, very early on. You're supposed to hate the Blackhawks with every fiber of your being, you know, here yeah. in here in St. Louis. So you'll you'll definitely you'll you'll definitely get that hammered home for you. Um, but back to the draft. So had you and your or your agent had any contact with the Blues before you were drafted? Were you were they a team that you were thinking might might pull the trigger on you? Um, you know, I wasn't too sure. Uh, I had talked to St. Louis a couple of times and, and had several meetings with them and, um, you know, talked to, uh, you know, a couple of different staff members on the team. So, um, you know, I knew that they had um, high interest in me, that they really liked me as a player and, um, you know, were curious on, on who I was as a person. So, um, you know, obviously that's an indicator that, you know, a team's interested and they were slotted at an area that, um, was, you know, kind of around where I thought I was going to go. So, um, you know, it was just, I think 26 was definitely the pick we were looking at the most as a, myself and my family was, uh, we thought that they had the most interest. So, you know, I wasn't sh- for sure. Like no one told me that I was going to St. Louis, but, um, you know, definitely thought they were one of the front runners. So obviously you ended up in St. Louis, uh, a recent cup champions, great, just the best fan base in the league. Um, and they've really uh, embraced the style of Craig Berube, head coach who made a living being a physical, tough, gritty uh, fighter in the league. And you've kind of seen that same play style uh, imposed in St. Louis. How does it feel to join an organization that's put so much faith into Berube style and is embracing your style as more of a physical player. Yeah, it's obviously awesome. I think, you know, it might be one of the reasons that, you know, I was selected to St. Louis. They, you know, they like my style of play and, and you know, think I could fit in well. And, I mean, I would agree with that statement. I think that, um, you know, I'm definitely a player who likes to, to obviously play with the puck and create offense and, and be reliable defensively. Um, but at the same time, have that, that physical aspect of my game and, and be a bit of a pest out there. So, um, you know, I, I've watched a lot of uh, St. Louis video and watched a lot of um, their games over the years, and uh, especially during their cup year. And, um, you know, I really like the way they play, and I, I think I'd fit in well, so I'm excited. Good deal. Uh, and just in terms of this season, obviously the, uh, the CHL as a whole is kind of a mess right now. Uh, the QMJHL just suspended play for a bit. Um, you're on loan to the Brooks Bandits in the AJHL uh, until late December. Um, have you started practicing with them? Uh, when are we going to get to see a step on the ice with them? And just how's that experience going as a whole? Yeah, so I actually ended up going to Brooks. Um, and I, I went and watched the two of their exhibition games and then started practicing with the team. Um, and then we found out that just there's some complications with um, with the colleges and things like that, I wasn't able to play just because uh, I'm now signed with St. Louis. Um, so there was some complications about about my contract and things like that. So it turns out I'm not going to be able to to get to play. But I did get to go down there for ten days, and um, you know Brooks is a first class junior A um, you know team and organization, and um, you know I had I had fun while I was down there, and um, you know it was good. So do you think yeah. being around? Oh, I'm sorry. Go go ahead, Gabriel. Do you think being around guys like, um, I know Corson Kulamans is down there. He's projected to be a top-end defensive prospect in 21. Um, Ozzy Weisblatt, I think is how you say his name, uh, first-round pick to the Sharks. Do you think being around those guys and getting that experience helped at all, or was it 
more just getting back on the ice and getting your legs moving again. I uh, know, nah, definitely for sure. I knew I knew Corson going into it. Um, I had skated with him a couple times during the summer uh, down in Edmonton before I went to Brooks. So I kind of knew him. And, um, you know, I was talking a bit about the draft and things like that, what to expect, trying to, you know, give him some advice, help us in any way I could. And, um, and then obviously with Oz, um, you know, we basically spend uh, every single day together during the summer. We train together, skate together, and, um, you know, our best friends. So, um, getting to be around a guy like that 24-7 is, is definitely good. We learn from each other, and, um, you know, it's a good relationship we have. We're very competitive. We don't like losing against each other, whatever it may be. So, um, you know, it's definitely a good friendship to have and, and you know, creates competition in everyday life, which is good. Do you, yeah, and, uh, and it helps that the, he's on the Sharks and the Blues and Sharks rivalry is, is growing big time up here. Yeah. yeah. Do you I think, hold... uh, I think if Oz and I were to, to end up, on the roster and playing against each other would probably amplify the rivalry a little bit. <laughs> Do you hold it over him that you were drafted above him? I think five picks above him. Yeah, I think uh, I haven't really, I, I think it might be still too soon for that, but um, you know, maybe uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to use it if I ever need to, for sure. I think a good um, I, got, yeah. I had him in the WHL draft. And um, so I was a little nervous about this one. I didn't want him to hop ahead of me, so it looked like I'd fallen down a while. So I was, I was, I was happy I went ahead of him. Now, with you know, with your loan, you know, kind of, you know, put on the, uh, you know, put they put the kibosh on that. So now you're back with just kind of waiting to see what's going on with the uh, CHL. And uh, have you gotten any direction from the Edmonton Oil Kings as to you know, like when they might resume play, or like where are they having you do anything in particular while this wait is going on? Uh, you know, there's been a little bit. Obviously, there's still so much uncertainty with everything going down. And, um, you know, Alberta just went into lockdown. So, um, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, some some unfortunate circumstances right now. But, um, you know, the plan is still to go back on December 27th and, and you know, start camp down in Edmonton. And, um, you know, I think there's going to be some isolations we have to do before we get down there. And, um, you know, we've been keeping track on an app and filling out surveys every day and stuff like that. So, um, you know, the WHL is doing a really good job of trying to get ahead of the game here so that when we do get started that, you know, we can maintain it and have a season. So, um, you know, I think that's pretty much all there is to say, really. I think we don't have a lot of information about um, about what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, whatever it is, I know the players were willing to do it so we can get playing again. So. All right, now now let's get to the fun questions. We've done all the the, the procedural stuff, the, uh, the business-like questions. Now we're going to get to the fun stuff. Uh, one thing the Blues have excelled in is Fortnite. Vince Dunn and Robert Thomas are Twitch streamers, and they helped the Blues win a league-wide Fortnite tournament earlier this year. So the big question is, are you a gamer? Uh, like, I, I'll play. Um, like, I just love being on the mic, talking to the boys and stuff like that, but I'm pretty bad, like, at every video game ever. So, oh, no. Yeah, like, I'm not, like, I would say I'm a gamer, like, because I'll just, like, if anyone asked me to play with them, I probably would. If I had nothing better to do, but um, no, I'm us- I'm pretty bad at mostly every game. So I'm right there with you. <laughs> I get on there and I try to play Chell, and it's uh, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm uh, Chell. I'm decent. I'm I'm decent at Chell. I usually lose, but I can put up a fight. Yeah, Chell, so, Chell can be Chell can be kind of tough, definitely. Like like if you if you, if you ever played like ones, for instance, you know that can you know you you run into some guys that I swear probably play like forty hours a week on that game. I mean, you, yeah. you just don't have a chance. For sure, yeah. Same with Call of Duty. 
It's a joke. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so in Shell, you're officially listed as a Blues prospect in their franchise mode. Um, you know, over the years there, I'm sure your guy in the game levels up, becomes an NHLer. Uh, what's it like picking up the picking up the sticks and playing as yourself as a Blues prospect in a game like that? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I gotta. I haven't actually got the new NHL yet, so I gotta get it and and probably do that. That'd probably be pretty cool. But um, yeah, it's even when I was on there with Edmonton, it was surreal to even be in a video game and be considered for one. So um, to be on an NHL prospect list now is is pretty crazy. Yeah, and I think you are rated in the new NHL uh, as a 66, but with a prospect that has. I think top six potential is what they list you as. Um, so they, they they didn't do you dirty, you know, this year at, at the very least. Um, one of the things, you know, besides loathing the Chicago Blackhawks we do here in St. Louis is we argue about pizza. And that's because we have our own style of pizza here. I'm sure you've been initiated on. Um, first of all, what is your favorite type of pizza? Um, I don't know. Like, I like to change it up. Like, I'm one of those guys that maybe go with, like, a Donaire pizza. Or, like, those are new, but I kind of like them. Usually, though, I'm a meat lover's. Like, just in a meat lover's pizza is, like, probably my go-to. But every once in a while, I like to switch it up. Like, a buffalo chicken one or something like that just to try it out. But I think my go-to is probably a meat lover's. Okay, yeah, because, yeah, here in St. Louis, we have thin crust, you know, like the thin cracker crust style, um, and we have our own cheese, Provel cheese. You know, I don't think you've been in St. Louis to actually really experience the the wonders that is Provel cheese. You know, it's it's a very divisive issue here in St. Louis. You either love it or you hate it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's something to, to, to be prepared for. One thing that we're also known for is toasted ravioli. We, uh, St. Louis, invented toasted ravioli. Um, have you had it? And, uh, what is your favorite, like, you know, appetizer or bar food? I've actually never heard of that. So that'll really, be, that'll be something new to me and, uh, you know, excited. I'll probably, that'll be one of my go-tos probably right when I get there by the sounds. Yeah. Of it. So, uh, I'll go try that out. I think, I don't know, my favorite appetizer. Um, I don't know. I'm a bit, I'm a guy who likes to change things up all the time. So like whether it be chicken wings or lettuce wraps, I don't know, like, probably uh oh usually like some dynamite rolls like some sushi maybe as an appetizer from earls or something like that i don't know i i change it up a lot so you never know with me and, all and right time we, we threw out bar food you gotta remember he's 18 <laughs> well yeah but i would I, my dad dragged me to a few bars when i was in my teens i mean you know you don't you don't drink the beer i mean but you you, know, you enjoy some of the you know bar fare i mean that's that's you can still do that here so yeah. Well, and we'll, we'll definitely take you out to uh, to find the best toasted ravs because that's going to be a segment on our show coming up in season two. We're going to be touring St. Louis for the best toasted ravs. So if you need uh, some guidance or, or some wingmen to get you some good toasted ravs, you just just let us know. We'll hit you up. Sounds good. That sounds good. All righty, Jake. Well, you've been very gracious with your time. Uh, we thank you so much for coming on. And I guess... Do you have like a final message for blues fans? I mean, you know, just if there's one thing you can say to blues fans that are waiting to see you play, what would you say? Yeah, just that, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy who likes to work hard. You're going to see a lot of effort out of me every time I'm on the ice. And I mean, I'm very, very excited to get out there whenever that may be and get to meet some of the fans and, um, you know, get to get to go on the ice in front of you guys. It'll be, it'll be super exciting. Um, you know, something I'm uh, looking forward to. So. 
or we're looking forward to that because you definitely fit the mold of a St. Louis Blues player that could become a fan favorite here. We love our, you know, uh, you know, aggressive checking forwards here in St. Louis. It's a, it's a tradition that dates back to, you know, the Plaguers and, you know, the t- Tony Twist in the 90s. Um, we're, we're looking forward to having you here in St. Louis. Well, I appreciate that. Like I said, I'm really excited, so I can't wait. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Jeremy Boyer, play us out. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.